Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start, we want to highlight FACT's platinum sponsor, the National Peanut Board, and thank them for their years of continued support and partnership. Studying abroad is a trending part of college life, but when tackling food allergies, study abroad might be out of the question, or at least sound like it's out of the question. College grad Maya is with us today to help parents and students understand how to explore studying abroad in college and then how to create a plan for food allergy safety. Welcome back, Maya, to Facts Roundtable podcast. I always say this every time you come on that you're a fan favorite, but you are. You know, peer-to-peer conversations are just so important, and I'm happy you're here. Fact is happy you're here, and I guarantee you our listeners are happy you're here. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you so much for having me. See, it's a love fest of happiness. (laughs) So now let's just dive right in and let's get started with helping listeners learn just a little more about you and where you studied abroad. Because I'm assuming we're going to have a lot of new people listening to this podcast because this is a subject we really haven't touched on. For those of you listening who don't know me, my name is Maya. Um, I'm 22 years old. I just graduated from college this past May. I attended Syracuse University in upstate New York, and I spent the fall semester of my junior year studying abroad in Madrid, Spain. And I am allergic to eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame seeds. Now, turning to study abroad, when you first thought about it, what were your concerns? Like the, the first moment you said, hey, maybe I want to study abroad. Then what happened next? I think my initial thoughts were obviously so much excitement at the idea of it. It had been something that I'd thought about for a while before I really made the decision to go ahead and do it. But that excitement wore off pretty quickly when I started thinking, now I'm going to go live in this foreign country for four months. And I had traveled abroad before with my family, but never alone. So even if I had just been taking a week-long trip abroad by myself, that was going to be a big difference from whatever I was used to in the past. But I really just realized I had to dive in headfirst instead of just dipping my toes into the deep end because it was something that I was really excited about the possibility of doing. And I knew from previous experiences, obviously, My previous experiences abroad were always shorter and, like I mentioned, not alone, but I knew that I had the skills and I had the tools in my toolbox and I was going to make it work. And I did. And I'm so happy that I did because it was one of the best experiences that I had in all of college and probably in my life this far. 
That's exciting that it turned out really well. And you could see that your passion also drove you saying, hey, this is something I want to do and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to problem solve it. Because I think as people with food allergies, that's what we do best, right? We problem solve and we really try to figure out. So on that note of problem solving, as soon as you said, okay, I want to study abroad, Spain is it. Let's get into the grit of like, how did you do your research? Like, what was the process to determine how you would make it safe if it was safe? Well, it turned out to be safe. But, you know, what did you go through? Because I'm assuming other students listening to this will want to know, okay, where do we begin in just working out with either the university or where you're staying, finding safe food? So if you don't mind just getting into the weeds on that. Of course. So there were definitely a lot of different things that I had to research in advance. Like with any trip I had ever been on, I wanted to know where the closest hospital would be to me, where I was staying in case there was an emergency. I wanted to look up restaurants in the area and look up their menus. A lot of them actually had allergen information online just because Spain and Europe in general tend to be a bit ahead of the game than the U.S. is in terms of allergen labeling and things like that. So that was wildly helpful to be able to go online. And a lot of the restaurants just had things listed right on their website about what allergens were in their food. Also looking up things like the different supermarkets in the area to try and get a sense of if I'd be able to find safe products there. And then in terms of where I was going to live, my program had two options. You could live in a homestay or you could live in like a dorm style housing. And I pretty easily decided that a homestay would not be the best choice. In talking to the school, there was just way too much unknown with the homestay option because there was no way they could guarantee me a family who knew anything about food allergies or even one who spoke a single word of English. Um, just based off of how they find their host families. So that was not going to be the best choice for me. So I went with the dorm option, which just gave me more freedom in terms of a lot of the eating that I did was just foods that I bought at the supermarket so that I could read the label, see that it was safe for me, and would prepare easy things in my dorm room because that just was something that I could have in my control to make sure that I was staying safe. Um, And the dorm had a dining hall that I could eat at, but I didn't eat a ton of meals there just because the language barrier was really tough and I didn't feel super confident in them being able to keep me safe. So I, like I said, did most of my meals in terms of when I was eating in the dorm, just self-catering from the dining hall or from supermarkets. Sorry. So a couple of questions. Did you bring food with you? So like, did you pack a lot of, you know, shelf-stable items? Yes. Oh my gosh. How could I forget to mention that? Like anytime I travel abroad, I brought so much safe food with me. Everyone on my program, all my friends showed up at the airport with like one suitcase and one backpack. And I had one suitcase, one rolling duffel bag, one carried duffel bag and a backpack because I had so much of that packing space just filled with safe snacks, but also more importantly, safe kind of meal replacement options that I could have. Instant mac and cheese cups that I eat in the States that are safe for me and instant soups that, you know, you just add hot water to, tuna packets and crackers, as well as like dessert 
kits and treats because I knew that those were going to be nearly impossible to find safe for me. So I wanted to make sure that I had all of that there. And then my parents came and visited me a little more than halfway through my program. And they also brought a whole nother suitcase full of food and snacks with me to replenish what I had already eaten. So definitely brought tons of safe food along with me as well. And it sounds like you ate that food too, like you took full advantage of it. I did. I did. One thing that I always kind of like my philosophy whenever I've been on any trip abroad, but especially when I was studying abroad, is I never want to miss out on an experience because I'm worried or anxious or nervous about the food in that situation. So like a lot of times, if we were going to be going on a trip for the weekend somewhere different or even just going out at night, I would prefer to just eat one of those things in my room that I knew was safe so that I would be full and can go enjoy that night out or that trip on the weekend. I would bring those snacks and foods with me um, so that I could take away the element of stress and unknown of finding safe food. Yeah, I did eat plenty of my food that I had packed. And did you have a roommate or were you just by yourself and were you able to request to be by yourself or is that just natural? I had a roommate while I was abroad. It was actually my one of my best friends from school at Syracuse who was on the same program with me and actually was the reason that I chose to go to Madrid is because I was deciding initially between studying in Madrid or studying in London and Lots of signs were pointing to London, a big one being no language barrier. But this really good friend of mine was already signed up and going to Spain. And I said, I'd rather go to Spain with someone who I know and I trust who can help me through it than go to London totally by myself. We lived together in the dorm. So it was nice to have that comfort, that person who I knew and who knew me. And I had known her since my first day freshman year. She lived a few doors down from me in my dorm freshman year at Syracuse. And so she knew everything about my food allergies, how to use my EpiPen, and was like a nice safety net to have with me for sure. Oh, that sounded really, really nice. So you mentioned, you know, ruling out the homestay and talking to the university about it. So what questions might you suggest to any of the peer listeners to ask when they're exploring homestay with their school? I think that it's going to differ for every person based off like what is going to make them feel comfortable in a situation like that. I have in the past on a much shorter term trip stayed with a host family once um, in middle school. So I had done that before. And when I had done it that time, they were able to find a family who spoke English and who happened to work in the medical profession and understood food allergies. And so that situation was very different versus when I started speaking to my university about living in a home with a host family. And they said, oh, yeah, well, the agency we get host families from, we don't have a ton of contact with them. So that was one red flag. They told me that they don't always have families who speak English. That was another red flag. So those were the kind of questions that I was asking. Like the only way I would have felt comfortable living with the host family was if I knew they were going to speak English I knew I could speak to them in advance about my food allergies, which was another thing that they couldn't guarantee. They said sometimes, most of the time, our students don't speak to their host families until the day they pick them up from the airport. So that was another thing that was a big no for me. So really figuring out what would make you comfortable staying with the host family and then 
asking those questions to get those answers, if that makes sense. No, this is very, very sage advice because you're right. Everything is so unique anyway. So I think it's really important to start from the person's unique viewpoint and their needs and comfort levels. So now what tips do you have for students and their parents or caregivers when preparing for study abroad? Because I'm sure you had to help your mom as well in this process. I know your mom. Yeah, my mom was definitely probably even more nervous than I was to send me abroad for four months. But I mean, I think my biggest tip, and I feel like I've said similar advice when talking about college in general and things like that, is just that if study abroad is something you want to do, you can do the work to figure out how to make it doable. Because like I said, it was one of the best semesters that I had in all of college. But yeah, it took a lot of work and a lot of prep. And a lot of that was just having conversations with my mom about things that may happen and what happens if I do have a reaction, what am I going to do? And talking through those possible situations um, as much as we could so that if something like that did come up, I would feel prepared. Something that was great about my program is they had a relationship with a local hospital in Madrid where they had like an international department. So if something had happened, I could go to that specific hospital nearby and know that they would have an English speaking doctor there who could treat me. Luckily, went through the whole semester. I mean, luckily also because I had been so prepared, I think was a big part of it through the whole semester without ever having that situation happen. I didn't have any reactions while I was abroad, but I did get sick early on in the semester. And I went to that hospital and they had the English speaking doctor there. And so it was not an emergency situation by any means, but it was nice to know that what they said was available in terms of medical care there was really available if an emergency had come up. And did you use any translation cards? Yes. I had two different sets of allergy translation cards just from like two different companies. And then I got them obviously in Spanish because I was studying in Madrid. But then I also got them in a bunch of different languages in case I ended up traveling to any other countries while I was there. I would rather just have them with me just in case I needed them. I also used Google Translate a ton and you can actually download certain languages on Google Translate to be available even if you don't have internet connection, which was extremely helpful. So like I downloaded Spanish so I could always get English to Spanish translations even if I didn't have service on my phone. And then another really helpful feature there was there's a camera feature on Google Translate. So when I would go to the grocery store and go shopping, you could scan the label with your camera, and then it'll translate that label for you right there in the picture. It made grocery shopping and label reading a little easier. That's so clever. Yeah, it was super helpful. There, These are really strong tips. Thank you so much. And I'll put some links in the show notes too for our listeners for some of the companies that offer those translation cards. I was oh. going to let you know, the two companies that I used were Equal Eats and Select Wisely. Um, and I like both of their cards a lot. I'll make sure we have the links for our listeners in the show notes. And another little tip when you're getting allergy translation cards 
you can get like the physical plastic card and I do have those and they're super helpful. But what I'll also do is some a lot of times you'll also get offered like a free download of your allergy card. And so I'll take that and print it out just on regular paper. And I took like a hundred copies of just paper printed out versions because then I would hand it to the waiter at a restaurant and they could take it back to the kitchen. And I would say, you don't have to worry about, they wouldn't have to worry about bringing it back to me because it's just a piece of paper. Um, So that way you don't have to worry about losing like the one copy of your allergy card that you have. That is very clever. So before we wrap up today, is there anything else you would like our listeners to hear from you? The one last thing I'll leave all of you with is just one last word of encouragement because I can't stress enough how much there is to experience in a semester abroad that has nothing to do with food. A lot of people travel abroad, study abroad because they love trying new food and new cuisine. A lot of those people, I like to say they live to eat. I eat to live. And that's a great way to just remember that it's not all about the food. You can go abroad and you can go to museums, go to shows, see architecture. There are so many other things to experience abroad that don't have anything to do with the food there. Excellent. Thank you so much just for your words of encouragement and again, giving us some really hearty tips. So thank you again, Maya, for your time. We always appreciate you coming to Facts Roundtable podcast. Thanks for having me. Before we say goodbye today, we just want to highlight one more time FACS Platinum sponsor, the National Peanut Board, and we would like to thank them for their years of continued support and partnership. Thank you for listening to FACS Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.